Favorite Lord, thank you for your love and grace. Thank you for the way you have been kind and you have shown favor. I just want to say thank you in your name, amen. Uh, reminder, March 8th, I am in. Hey, Janice, I don't know if you remember what that means. Anybody remember that? What that means? And I am N, the virtual event. That is, N is the letter in uh, Arabic that identifies a Christian. And they would write N on Christian homes so that the Muslims know who to go in and slaughter. Could you imagine having, for us, you know, it would be a C or a Christian, you know. Yeah, or a cross. Yes, 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 yes. So this is about those who have faced persecution at the hands of Islam. And those people all have experienced that. So, um, well, well, Stephen Curtis Chapman, as far as I know, has not. But um, that's a virtual event, and it's, it's amazing. So I'm grateful. Now, here's what's going on for Lent. I want to comment about that. Uh, <clears throat> come on, get this going here. Um, <clears throat> all, by the way, all, right now, media, just a reminder that's available. Let's talk a little bit about Lent. Uh, you know, I've, I've, been, I've been really trying to go deeper with the Lord, and uh, I am, in fact. I'm not just trying, I am. And, and it's a beautiful thing, and I know I'm doing the right thing and all that. Uh, I want my heart to be so ready for Passover. I want... I want my heart to be ready for Resurrection Sunday. I don't want to come to church and go, oh, is it Easter? <laughs> is that what that is? I don't want to do that, you know. Um, and I feel the Spirit calling me, getting, get ready, Chris, get ready, Chris, get ready, Chris. In fact, I have already, I'm fasting on several things, and I'm already doing it. Technically, you can start on the 14th, right, first day of Lent. But I'm not waiting, so I've already like two weeks in, and uh, and love my decisions, you know, just drawing more near, drawing drawing into the holiness of God. So, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have uh, some ashes placed at the altar, and when we're done on the 14th next Wednesday, uh, you guys free to go. We're done. Um, but if you want to walk over. And, and put ashes on your hand or on your forehead or not at all, but just there to say, hey, this is sacred space. And I'm just saying, Jesus, I'm all in. And I'm going to live for you and get my heart ready for, you know, Resurrection Sunday, Passover, Good Friday. Um, this is what I'm choosing to do. We're not liturgical. We're not Orthodox. We're not Catholic. Nobody's doing anything. But the other extreme is we can so we can so re- react to that that we do nothing, and we're smacking bubble gum and come tripping up into church like, oh, dude, it's, it's resurrection, so I didn't even know that, and go to the other extreme where we're being irreverent and we don't do that either. So as the Holy Spirit leads you, um, I just want to challenge you to to get ready to uh, really meet the Lord in these these things. So, um, come on. Starting, if you could push this among some ladies, the Mom's Life Group, um, Freddie's leading that. And 
It made my, it made my, so, my heart so happy when Freddie accepted that. Because if I want these moms to get anything, I want them to get Freddie's heart. If that can happen, it's a success. Just to get her heart. And uh, now, <clears throat> this book, uh, Parenting the Child You Have, Not the Child You Were, is critically important because in this culture today, the disconnect with family, we're talking a little bit about it, is so big that it's, it's becoming really, really difficult that faith is not being passed on to the next generation. Our kids, our sons and daughters are, are deconstructing. They're going to other faiths. Our grandchildren deconstructing or, or, or just becoming neutral, going into nothing. Why? What is going on? And so there are things here for fathers and moms and what's getting passed on is so critical. And when you integrate this, because I've already read the book, I've already gone through it, it's amazing. When you integrate this with scripture, oh my stars, it is powerful. Psalm 27.10, David said, you might remember this, Carrie. David said, my father and my mother have forsaken me. What's that about? King David admitted that. Something happened with... with I, I can give you my a real quick conjecture. I think Jay, uh, David was conceived in adultery. Because it's in Psalm 51. In sin my mother conceived me. And I think she and Jesse, they split. Jesse couldn't have... Wasn't going to put up with her anymore. And then what Jesse was doing to him, because I think he's, he's the unwanted, polluted kid. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't even show him to Samuel. Uh, no, there, there's no more sons. There's no more sons. This is it. And uh, I, I think, so when David wrote Psalm 27, he goes, man, my mom and dad forsook me. Something happened. It wasn't good. And you, you, you know David's story. Come on. If this stuff doesn't get fixed in childhood, we're just passing on to the next generation. But this book is incredible because it gets at that idea that is absolutely all through Scripture. So, so with Freddie and Edie and their skill, their wisdom, just integrating this with God's Word and prayer, Wow. I've already had somebody said they want to drive from Greenbrier to be a part of this. Really? Now we'll see. We'll see. I've been told many things many times, and, and there are no shows, you know. But we need to get this, get this out. Use your, your media platforms, blast this out. Um, I, I've already had another mom say, can this please be available at night? You know, and I said, well, maybe, maybe. We'll see. But uh, anyway, big deal, big, big deal. And so grateful for you guys. All right, let's see. Um, <clears throat> regarding Sunday, uh, I just want to tell you all, I, I've had several people come up to me and say, how can I hold your arms up? And that was so encouraging, so, so beautiful. What I've done is I have converted my notes from Sunday into a PDF and it's all saved into the website. <clears throat> so if you go to podcast, Julie, and you see that picture, 
you know, that, that was the teaching. On the bottom left, you'll see it says resources. You click on that, and it'll, it'll download the uh, PDF, if, if you wanted to. I'm just saying, that's where it is. So you look at the, the, the actual podcast, bottom left, resources, click that, and it gives you all, all the notes. And uh, uh, so that's just available in case anybody wants it. All right. Reminder that as we're digging into Daniel, that Daniel 5 closes out the core idea that in these, these courtroom contests, these court tales, these battles between two factions, uh, the core of it is that God knows how to humble someone who's very, very prideful, particularly kings. And we're about to, to pull into chapter 6. Uh, next Wednesday... I'm going to teach the introduction to six on the 14th. And then Dr. Mena has been gracious. He's going to handle the 20, February 21 to do the last half of Daniel 6. And that'll be a huge help for me and Lisa. We're going to have a little working vacation uh, up with Dave and Joni Steinman. I think some of you know Dave and, and Joni. I don't know Julie. You probably don't know him. But Janice, I know you do. And uh, <clears throat> that'll be a good time to, to get to be with them. So. All right, let's let's jump in. I want to start at um, verse 13, and we'll finish out the chapter tonight. So Daniel was brought in before the king, and the king began speaking and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who is one of the exiles from Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? By the way, some conject that he's drunk. Remember what they've been doing with the vessels of the Lord? Loading them up with liquor, and it's a drinking party, essentially, and all these uh, secular, very carnal, worldly people are there, and they're having a drinking party using the holy vessels of God. And so some say that uh, that Belshazzar is our, are you, are you Daniel? He's drunk. Are you, you know. Now, that's conjecture. But uh, verse 14, now I have heard about you, that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that illumination, insight, and extraordinary wisdom have been found in you. Just now the wise men and the sorcerers were brought in before me to read this inscription and make its interpretation known to me, but they could not declare the interpretation of the message. Here we go again. So it's Daniel against the same enemies. It's the same people every time. But I personally have heard about you, that you are able to give interpretations and solve difficult problems. Now, if you are able to read the inscription and make its interpretation known to me, you will be clothed with purple and wear a necklace of gold around your neck, and you will have authority as the third ruler in the kingdom. Wow. Set the scene. Now, Daniel's response is telling. And you will have a pop quiz and how you're going to reconcile, Freddie especially, I want to hear great things out of you, Freddie. How do you reconcile verse 17 with verse 29? So I'm teasing you just a little bit. We'll get to it. Daniel replies to the king, keep your gifts 
for yourself or give your rewards to someone else. Ooh. He is violating standard protocol for addressing royalty. He doesn't say, long live the king, or bless you, O king, or high and exalted one. Literally does not even acknowledge him, just says, keep your gifts. I don't care what, I don't care what the prize is. Why? You're still in chapter 5. Yeah, yeah. And that is going to be verse 17. So why in the world did he just... That's the first thing he says. Keep your gifts. Ooh. That could get you executed. <laughs> However, I'll read the inscription to the king and make the interpretation known to him. And now he addresses, O king, the most high God granted sovereignty, greatness, honor, and majesty to Nebuchadnezzar, your father. Now because of the greatness which he granted him, all the peoples, nations, and populations of all languages trembled and feared in his presence. Whomever he wished, he killed. Whomever he wished, he spared alive. And whoever he wished elevated, he elevated. And whoever he wished humbled, he humbled. But when his heart was arrogant, and his spirit became so overbearing that he behaved presumptuously. He was disposed from his royal throne and his dignity was taken away from him. He was also driven away from mankind and his heart was made like that of an animal, of animals. And his dwelling place was with the wild donkeys. He was given grass to eat like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he recognized that the Most High God is the ruler over the realm of mankind and that he sets it over whomever he wishes. Yet you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all this. So he's, he's challenging his arrogance. I, I, I don't know, are you the one, you know? So there's, there's a barb, even though you knew all this. You know what happened with your dad. But you have risen up against the Lord of heaven and have brought these vessels of God's house, his house, before you. You and your nobles, your wives, your concubines have been drinking wine out of them. And you've praised the gods of silver and gold and bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see nor hear nor understand. But the God in whose hand are your life breath, in Hebrew, ruach, your life breath, all your ways, you have not glorified God. Okay. Then the hand was sent from him, and this inscription was written out. A comment there. Um, a few weeks ago, I addressed the idea of um, object relations and how we as human beings with physical senses relate to things. Uh, my little granddaughter, Elizabeth, is, reminds me of Linus, the Peanuts character Linus. She takes her blankie, throws over this shoulder, <laughs> and then takes the other one and sticks it in her mouth, literally like the Peanuts character Linus. And it is the cutest thing. And if you want to upset her, 
take the blankie away. Or if you think you're big and brave and you're an adult in authority, put her to bed without the blankie and watch what happens, you know. She's got to have her blankie. So things matter. Now, what about things mattering that are holy? Uh, I'll make a few comments about the holiness of God that you might not be aware of. When, um, when you read closely in the Old Testament, particularly now Exodus 19, God is giving instructions on how things are going to go and we're going to go to Mount Sinai and I'm going to warn you, tell everybody, don't touch the mountain. If they touch the mountain, they die. No exceptions. Either I'm going to kill them or I'm going to assign one of your archers to kill them. They're going to be shot through. Whoever touches the mountain when I'm on it dies. Moses goes, check. And he runs down and says, don't touch the mountain. Goes back up. And it's kind of a back and forth, back and forth, back and forth as God is speaking to Moses. God says this, and when you make an altar, it cannot be with hand-cut stone. It cannot be, a chisel cannot touch the stone. It has to be only the rocks that I have made. And he said, you can't, once you build my altar, you can't walk up on it because I will see your nakedness. Stones as holy. And a man walking up that in a tunic would expose his bared legs and perhaps genitals. If you're, if you're the stone looking up, God says he's not allowed. A man is not allowed to walk up the steps. Yeah. And I'll refer to it later. In the law, it's, it's about hygiene, Israeli hygiene and sanitation principles with two million people camping. <laughs> How are you going to handle sanitation? And there's literally legal prescriptions given on how to go to the bathroom in Torah and what to do with it. And you know what the scripture says? God says, for I am holy and I will walk in your midst. God doesn't want to step on feces. We hear that, and it, you know, it's almost, you know, there's like a joke in there somewhere. If you're, if you're Tim Hawkins, you know, you could make a joke out of that, I guess. Christian comedian. But when you understand God's, God's words are really, really serious about that. God's not being flippant or, or trying to say something cute to get a grin on Moses. God says, I'm holy and I am walking in your midst and I don't want to see any excrement on the ground when I walk through where my people live. Wow. And when, I, when you build an altar, nobody walks up it because I don't want to be exposed to your nakedness. Yeah. By the way, in Hebrew, when, when God made clothing for Adam and Eve, right? They tried to do the designer fig leaf thing. I, you know, we, we imagine it was a bikini. I don't know. You know, speedo for him. I don't know. Nobody knows what the designer fig leaves look like. But you know, it says in Hebrew, 
God covered them with coats of skin. They were covered from neck to ankle. Neck to ankle. It wasn't pebbles and bam bam. It, it wasn't that at all. You know. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to build a case that the holiness of God that God himself declared, I have a right to say that rock is holy. And if I do, you better treat it as though it is. You know? And I mean, this is Old Testament. You got to remember, this is, this is the Old Testament. And when I walk in your midst, when, when you build my altar, and then when the temple is built, wow. You don't go... Smacking bubble gum, walking into the Holy of Holies when the temple was built, right? <clears throat> Nobody's allowed in there except the high priest wants you. You get the idea? Okay. Daniel is really, really upset. He's always been kind. He's always been the most gracious man when he's interacting with the previous king, Nebuchadnezzar. But now he is not. He's really upset. Why? They things that are holy, holy. And and you've got temple prostitutes and and the most wicked of men getting drunk, drinking wine out of the vessels that belong to Yahweh. And here's the deal. Daniel's not the only one that's upset. <laughs> God is too. God is too. And it becomes the triggering moment. It's like, it's like the scales go, that's it. And the hand... He's talking to, to Belshazzar. The hand was sent from him, and this inscription was written on it. Mine, mine, tackle. You foreseen, or foreseen. And I'll do some translation work here in a minute. Mine, mine, tackle. Foreseen. This is the interpretation of the message. Mine. God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. Kel, you have been weighed on the scales and found lacking or deficient. Perez, and there's your singular form of, of foreseen. Perez, your kingdom has divided, been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave orders and they clothed Daniel with purple, with a necklace of gold around his neck, issued a proclamation concerning him that he now had authority as the third ruler of the kingdom. That night, that same night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed. So Darius the Mede received the kingdom <clears throat> at about the age of 62. Okay. So if we're going to do some translation work, it's going to be this. Counting, counting, weighing, splitting. 
would be a good way to translate this. This is Aramaic. It is most likely this disembodied hand that was writing on the wall. There were no, no vowels, all consonants. And so it was baffling. These are nouns. They're, and by the way, this is like money terms. Mena, mene. Does it sound like mina, like a shekel? So you could, you, like, shekel, shekel. Weigh it. Split it in half. That's what we're talking about. By the way, in, in numerical value, in money, you know what it comes up to? 62 which is the age of the one that, yeah. So there's a lot of, lot of wordplay going on here. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, can you guys, can someone read Proverbs 16.2? 16.2, Dale, can you get that one, 16.2? And then would someone get 21.2? We'll get 21. Janice, you want to do 21.2? And then uh, 24.12. Okay, you get twenty four twelve. Okay, so Dale sixteen two, Janice twenty one two, and then Jenna twenty four twelve of Proverbs. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth his spirits. Yeah, Janice. Hang on, okay. This is. I can make this bigger. <laughs> 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 it's bigger. Twenty one two. Yes, ma'am. You have. Is that Proverbs 21 too? No. I said I could read, but you know. <laughs> Every man's way is right in his own eyes, but the Lord is the heart. Ah, uh, thank you. 2412. If you say that we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Yeah. Do not, uh, does not he who guards your life know it? Yeah, yeah. So the whole concept is that in Israeli wisdom literature, Proverbs, this concept of God judging and weighing you, God knows how to get you on the scales, right? And, and, and what is unique is that God knows how to get your motives on the scale. You know, it's not just about weighing uh, a behavior, it's about weighing motives. And so that's the kind of power that God has, the kind of authority he can weigh motive. Uh, this is absolutely in keeping with Jesus. When he was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, when, it's, when he says, uh, I say to you, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your, neighbor, love your enemy. And then he gives this heart motive thing. What's in it for you if you only say hi to people who are going to say hi back? What's in it for you? You know, there's no real devotion when you say hi to a friend. I want your heart motive to be that you're going to say hi to an enemy. That's what I want you to do. So all through this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus takes Torah and routes it to the heart. 
motive from, uh, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery, but I say to you, if you look and lust, uh, you've heard it said, you know, thou shalt not steal. You get the idea. Jesus knows how to get to the heart and expose just how rotten and how full of hell the human soul can be. And this is exactly what happens to Belshazzar. Um, Belshazzar does keep his word. He does do that. And by the way, there's no record of repentance. Now, Nebuchadnezzar did. It says when he looked up, he saw the heavens, he repented. And he gives full glory and praise to God, restores like the Job story. You know, he was a great king, reduced to nothing, back to being a king and even better. Uh, that's, that was the example. But this guy, nothing. And he's just dead. All right, you ready? Pop quiz. You ready, Freddie? How do you reconcile 17 and 29? Yep. And then in 29, he asked, he's given. Yep. He's, he didn't, he wasn't asked. I think they just did it. He didn't really accept it. But when you think about it, though, he, he knew he was going to die, right? Because he told them he was going to die that night. So that way he would be the ruler over if, whatever. You know, he didn't really know if the Medes were going to do that. I mean, I've always wondered about that. That's actually, that's good. Yeah, that was but insightful. That, but I've always thought that way. He was in charge till the Medes and Darius got there, the Medes and the Persians. Yeah. So why did he refuse and then accept? I don't think he accepted. I think they put it on. I think oh, okay. They forced him. Okay, to forced. Do that. Okay. Because okay. it says, then Belshazzar gave the command. Okay. I mean, to me, gave orders. That yeah. was a force. But, okay. You know, but he okay, might yeah. have thought, but I mean, undoubtedly he didn't. Yeah. You know, do that number. But. What, what could he, what else could he do? You know, you got three guys yeah. to put clothes on. What do you do? You do you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, was Darius the one who eventually set it all up to where the Israelites would be able to go back and rebuild, like David, uh, Cyrus? Yeah. But what did, but Darius loved him, right? Because Darius. maybe God changed his heart so uh-huh. that he could influence Darius. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And that's really beautiful what's about to happen in all of that. Um, in fact, it's some argue that Darius the Mede is code for Cyrus the Great. You know, so. Okay. So any other reasons why Daniel goes, keep your gifts, I don't want them. Okay, I'll take them. Or he was ordered, he had no choice. By the way, did he take gifts on the previous contest of power? Whoever can interpret this dream, I will give you all these things. So he's been rewarded before, in fact, many times. Very prestigious stuff. But here he goes, uh, no, I don't want to keep your stuff. Any other reasons why I said that? Carrie, I know you're thinking. Well, if, uh, I mean, he's already told the king his, his king was going to be combated. So why rock the boat? And I think you alluded to that, Freddie. Yeah. He lost power that night. And all of his judicial decisions are null and void now. You know, the conquering king is not going to say, oh, Daniel, yeah, you, you still get to keep a third. You're good. You're good. No, it, everything stopped. 
Yeah. So anybody else? Another reason why? You're getting at it. A lot of scholars say he was, he was saying, you're not going to bribe me. And that the initial refusal is to make everybody aware this is not about bribery, is what it was, which is really cool. Really cool, not about bribery. So. Well, didn't the kingdom fall? It was, it was, there was not a war. They just came. Yeah, they came through. Took the over. Aqueduct and just wiped them out, yeah. man. Yeah. A lot of big parties going on. Oh, yeah, and they were all drunk, even Belshazzar, you know. He had yeah, yeah. It says what they were doing. Yeah. So. Typically, during those kinds of parties. Without his knees knocking. Yeah. I mean, that just amazed me. You know, his knees were actually knocking. Yeah. The king was considered to be a man of such dignity and status that even at a party, he, and he was drinking, it would be separate and his back would be to the people. But he's like, he's right out in the middle of the party. He's drunk. He's drunk. All, all discretion is thrown out. So. He, wasn't he his grandson? He was Nebuchadnezzar's grandson. Yeah, so there's a lot of... Was, wasn't his dad the other one that was away fighting the wars? And yeah, so you, you know, you get Nebuchadnezzar, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, it is, it does get a little puzzling. Yeah, he did. Yes. So he's either drunk or he's just toying with him. Yeah. yeah. He's toying. Um, and there's there's a lot of scholarly debate on who Darius the Mede is, you know. So, um, so all right. Um, when it comes to the Lord's Supper, It's a fascinating thing that one of the men around the table vowed, promised, I'm never going to leave you. His name was Peter. And then another one sold him out for 30 pieces of silver over Kiss. And the others, by the way, all jumped in on Peter and said, here, here. Yeah, we're with, we're with Peter. Yep, yep. You know, and they all fled. John fled. John repents and comes back. He's the only one uh, during the crucifixion. He's the, only one. the women are the ones who are faithful. They didn't run away, all of the girls. Um, but around that table, in a way, they were all being judged. They're being judged by the bread and the wine. They're judged by the death of Jesus. And just like uh, chapter 13 of John, uh, they're being judged by allowing Jesus to wash their feet. And Peter misses it. Oh, I've already had a bath. Uh, no, Peter. Oh, okay, then wash my head and, and rebathe me. Peter, you're missing it, you know, and and Peter finally gets it, that there's something else going on here. So when we take the Lord's Supper, well, do this. Turn, turn the, to the text. Turn to 1 Corinthians 11. I want you to see this. 
First Corinthians eleven and verse twenty-seven. First Corinthians eleven. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy way shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a person must examine himself, herself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For the one who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not properly recognize the body. So when we take the Lord's Supper... Mina, or Mine, Mine, Teco, Perez, Peraz. We're being judged, we're being weighed for being placed on the scales. And if you're not born again, you're outside of Christ, you're deficient. But if you're in Christ and he's in you, you're, you're found balanced. He weighs the hearts. So... I receive from the Lord that which I delivered to you that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread we had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is a covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Um, pause. Open your heart to the Lord. When you take the bread and the cup, you're taking in judgment. Um, Abba Father, uh, have mercy on us, O God. And thank you that there is forgiveness with you that we may, we may fear you. And thank you that we are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. In Jesus' name, amen.